today we're going on a journey, a journey of creativity, a journey of connecting and following one's own intuition and inner voice, a journey of trusting oneself and something bigger than oneself, a journey of commitment and undertaking a big hairy goal, a journey of feeling, thinking, talking, creating and making a dream with a purpose, the journey of the co-founder Jaron Golan of Point of View, a company that started in 2006 and now is present in more than 147 countries, with their products translated to 30 languages and experienced by over 1 million people. In our conversation, you can discover so many beautiful insights and wisdom packed within it that I invite you to listen carefully. Jaron Golan shares with us how to be creative in pursuing a vision and a mission, what helped him to remove his safety net and go all in on his project, how he started his creation process, the importance and what it means to be willing to trust your own instinct, what were his pillars to make his vision come true, what helped him overcome criticism, naysayers, and self-doubt, what are important steps for those entrepreneurs starting their journey, What is Jaron living daily practice that helps him stay aligned with his goals and mission? What it means having an open heart? What are patterns that he has seen when someone doesn't move forward in their dreams? What is his definition of success? What is one of the biggest lessons for him? And so much more. There's so much packed, as I said before in this episode. So I encourage you to take notes and listen for one insight or one tip, at least that you can apply to your own life. Ready for Jaron Golan's point of view? Have you ever wondered what makes people capable of creating changes that impact their lives and the world around them? What is their way of thinking, their mentality, their patterns, their perceptions of the world, their reactions to different life events? What influences them? My name is Cristina Puyol, and I invite you to join me in this adventure where we will explore together the mind of change makers. I am a card junkie, and if my accent is not clear, I mean cards, no automobiles, and I use them in my coaching sessions and workshops. Five years ago, I came across some cards called Point of View from a company called Point of View, and I swear by them. And today I have the great honor of having the co-creator Jaron Golan, Golan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. You pronounced it great. Co-founder and CEO of Point of View, a company that started in 2006 and now is present in over 147 countries. These right. cars have been translated to 25 languages and about 1 million people have experienced these tools. Jaron's academic background is in psychology and business management, and he's also a life and business coach, a husband, and a father of a beautiful baby. He's an entrepreneur at heart, loves to create, to come up with unexpected solutions and make things happen. So help me in welcoming Jaron Colan. Oh, How wow. are you? <laughs> I'm good. Very happy to be here, Christina. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy because I've been, like I said, just using your cards all over the world and everything that I can, I try to find an excuse to bring them up. Um, and I know the story that, that you share about creating the cards is really beautiful. So can you tell us a little bit about that journey of, of the creation of this sure. company? So uh, actually, uh, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, I was working as a life and mainly business coach. 
with the corporates, helping them to develop their uh, skills, their results. And this is where I met uh, my co-founder, my co-partner, Efrat. And uh, at one point, doing coaching to executives and employees, um, we saw separately, uh, again, we're talking about before about mystic moments. So both of us saw uh, a movie that really touched our soul and uh, shaked us and reminded us why we are doing what we are doing. The movie was uh, paid forward. Uh, it was in 2002, I think. And, uh, and the movie really reminded us, reminded me and to each one of us that when I went to study coaching, it was not only to help uh, co companies and corporate to make more money, it was really from a social calling. So uh, very moved by this uh, movie, uh, together with the FRAT, we decided to uh, initiate a non-profit organization in Israel by the name of Paid Forward. And the whole idea of this, of this uh, non-profit was uh, to give tools of coaching and personal development to people who don't have the money to pay for it or don't even know that it exists. So, uh, so that was the idea. And, and the way that we said that we are going to fund it, it's that uh, business people uh, that want to get coaching for themselves, they will uh, buy it through the nonprofit. And by doing it, they will buy for themselves, but they will also pay for somebody who don't have the money. And uh, this is when we started to initiate lots of uh, coaching groups all over Israel for uh, juvenile kids and uh, youth at risk and different kind of uh, uh, challenge uh, societies here in Israel. And uh, that was one of the most exciting periods of my life, really traveling all over. We got connected to the, to the Israeli uh, Senate and, uh, and uh, to the city management of different cities in Israel. And we initiated lots of lots of groups. At the same time, we used to work also with the executives and at one time, uh, during the travel to the north side of Israel to work with another group of uh, juvenile kids, Efrat and me were riding the car and, uh, and we noticed that uh, the coaching process was always very verbal and very logic. And that uh, everything was always through words. And uh, we asked ourselves, how can we deliver a, a more powerful experience? How can we make this process more juicy? Uh, more than that, we found out that most of the time when Efrat and me were involved in the process, uh, things were amazing. And then after the process was over, slowly, slowly, uh, the regular habits and patterns came back to life. So we tried to figure out how we can take it to the next step. And uh, we had many discussions about it for a long time. And that day, during the, the, the ride to the north side of Israel, uh, suddenly it hit me. And I told the frat, Effie, I have an idea. And she told me, what, what is the idea? I told her, Effie, let's invent a coaching game. She told me, a coaching game? What is a coaching game? I told them, I don't have an idea. I don't know what is a coaching game, but I have a feeling it's a great idea. <laughs> and uh, that moment on, again, we didn't understand what does it mean, but both of us felt that uh, this coaching game concept, it's something very... Uh, unique and very different. Again, it was in 2004. And from that moment on, this is when the seed were planted and uh, we didn't do anything about it for a long time, by the way. We used to travel all over Israel and to different groups and all the time fantasizing 
about the tool, about the game that we will develop. Uh, but we were completely uh, involved with the non-profit and in the coaching and, uh, and Efrat and me, we were in different places in our lives. So nothing happened for a year. And then after a year, uh, I felt that uh, I have to do something, that I have to make it happen. And uh, I understood that I have to leave uh, managing the non-profit. I have to leave all my coaching practice and I have to, to make it happen. And uh, we didn't have any money uh, to invest in that. We did, I didn't have the possibility to let go of my income and just uh, develop uh, the coaching game. And we didn't even know what is the coaching game. So I uh, made a business plan and uh, attended uh, an entrepreneur program here in Israel. And uh, after this program, I went to the bank and started to and share with them. I sat in front of different bank managers telling them about uh, the coaching game that people are going to play it all over the world, that it's going to open their heart and it's going to help them understand things about their life. So excited. Again, it was in 2005. In the end of each meeting like this, uh, the bank manager looked at me like I'm a UFO <laughs> that fell in the middle of his office. They didn't understand what I want, but uh, they felt the excitement and they felt... Uh, that uh, there is something in it. And they told me, listen, here, take a small loan, take a small line of credit, start. When you need more, come show us what you have. And slowly, slowly. So I understood the concept and uh, I went to six different banks and I take a little bit from this bank and a little bit from this bank and a little bit from this bank. And uh, this is actually uh, how we started. And then uh, Efrat also left her position in the nonprofit and in uh, the coaching practice. And uh, the official date that uh, after I organized uh, for us the money to start was uh, June 1st, 2006. And uh, we met in the beach in Israel. That was our favorite place. Each one of us came with a bag full of books and full of uh, games. And uh, we looked at each other and said, okay, for a year, we are telling everybody about this game that is going to change the world. What is this game? What, <laughs> what, what, what is it going to be like? And from that moment on, actually, uh, we started the creative process, the research and creative process. And uh, step after step, suddenly it started to, to reveal to us. We didn't really follow any uh, specific uh, theory. Uh, it was really an intuitive process. The funny part that uh, after the game was out and launched, uh, many professors and doctors from all around the world started to tell us about uh, the theories behind it. But I swear, Christina, we didn't know <laughs> nothing about it. We just wanted to do our best to really create a tool, a game that everybody will be able to play with themselves at home, with their family, something that will be fun, but also will be deep. And uh, we wanted it. When we talked before the podcast, you were mentioning that uh, you, you like many cards, but many times the other cards that are in the market, they are more uh, spiritual. They look very spiritual for uh, most of the people. They look too much uh, mystical. It's called woo-woo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the tarot and everything, it looks to them not serious. It looks yeah. to them like not something that they can... So one of the things that we had in mind when we started this process, we said, we want to take the magic and the wisdom that exists in the tarot and in other, in other things, 
to find a way to package it and to serve it so everybody will feel comfortable to play with it. People at home, people in their office, people uh, in their school. And so this is why we invested so much time and resources in the design of the tools, of the games, the look and feel, uh, the photos. Uh, it's not photos of image bank and Photoshop. We really looked for months and months. We looked over 1 million photos to really find the ones that are going to be intriguing, that are going to have a little bit of humor, that they're going to be unexpected. And uh, so that was a part of our goal, really to, to make it accessible to people who until today was uh, too suspicious and too, uh, that it wasn't for them. And I think this is one of the added value of what we do, that it's really uh, make it uh, relevant for target audience that uh, weren't using those things before that. Today, just think about it. We are, there, there are many corporates and companies using our tools like uh, Intel, like Google, uh, NASA, uh, education systems all around the world, uh, Israel Defense Force, generals in the army are using it. So, and also uh, people play it at home with their uh, children and with their uh, intimate life partners. So I think that was uh, what we had in mind and uh, one of the added values. I will just say that uh, it took us nine months to develop the first game, the coaching game. And uh, after nine months um, or eight months, we had to do the production. We didn't know how many games to produce because uh, there weren't anything similar in the market before. So uh, we, were, uh, we had consultants and business uh, coaches and they told us, listen, you guys already took lots of loans and you are investing in that like crazy. Uh, do it slowly, slowly, step by step. Do produce 50 games, see how it sells, see that it's working, and then do 75 games, see that it's working slowly, slowly. Uh, but Efrat and me, we are uh, dreamers and we are doers, and we felt in our guts uh, that we have a winning card, you know, that we have an ace, talking about cards. <laughs> yeah. So we decided to go for 2,000 copies. Wow. And we produced 2,000 copies, and, uh, and uh, once the games were out, two weeks later, we sold the whole 2,000 copies. Wow, nice. Yeah, and, uh, and then we did the second production, and then the second production also after a few weeks was sold. And, uh, and this is how we actually started, uh, from word to mouth, uh, here in Israel in the first year. And then in the second year, we went to uh, international ICF, International Coach Federation a conference, an exhibit. And suddenly people from all over the world exposed to our tools. And, uh, and then after another year, we had it translated into Germany and then into Spanish, and then into Japanese, and Portuguese, and Italian. And, uh, and uh, today, again, we have it in more than 30 languages. And uh, so in general, this is how it started, really a vision, a dream. And uh, slowly, slowly, you know, it started to, to become a reality. It's, it's amazing because your journey has so many lessons from you taking the pause of like really breaking from what you were doing, which probably was the comfort zone and where you, you know, you, you had a good life. And then yeah. you decided to, okay, let me start from zero this thing, but following your intuition and your, and your yes. passion and that thing that you had. 
So that's an amazing lesson because there's a lot of people that have the fear to start something, even though they feel inside like a burning yes. desire to do it. So it's beautiful I, I to think, hear. Uh, I think this was really one of the most important lesson. And that was the thing that really opened up uh, this uh, uh, possibility for it to become what it become. Because like you said, I, I felt uh, in my guts, in my heart, that this is the right thing to do. There were so many conversations that have threatened me. Uh, we used to sit in, my, in the balcony of my uh, very previous, previous home back then, in the evening, in the nights, and fantasizing about this tool that people would play it all around the world. So we really felt that uh, this is our calling, that this is what we need to do, not business-wise, but really, this is our gift to the world. And, uh, and it was very challenging because, again, the resources that we had back then were very limited. It was in 2004, uh, coaching wasn't like it was today. People wasn't familiar to coaching. Uh, and really, I remember the day when I uh, fired, in a way, my last uh, coaches. Uh, I told them that, uh, no, more, that's it. <laughs> uh, and I don't want to continue the process uh, after mentoring them for a while. It was a big deal. I remember this, this day, it was a big deal for me to take this action. It was uh, showing to myself that I'm, be I'm a believer, that I'm believing, that I'm willing to jump into the water. I'm willing, uh, I'm willing to, to put away the, you know, the, the safety net. Yeah. And, and that was really one of the most challenging part, really to be willing to let go of the, what we have and to move to the unknown. What helped you to make that jump? What really helped me, first of all, uh, it's to listen to this voice inside that tells me that I have to do it no matter what and to really connect to that voice and uh, to the chance and not to the risk. Uh, but uh, I put it aside because sometimes it's not always easy for people to listen to this voice. So I put it aside. What really helped me, I think later on, it's to uh, my integrity. Once I understood that I have to do it and that I'm going to do it, I understood that I have to commit myself in front of the people that I really care about, the people that I really count their opinion. So the, one of the first things to do I started, first of all, to, uh, to declare it and to make a statement with almost everybody that I met, that I have an idea, uh, developing a new game that is going to change the world. And I started to say it more and more to everybody, but the most important people is with my family. So uh, back then, uh, I knew that we were going to have a family holiday, the, new, the Jewish New Year. In, it was in September 2005. And uh, I, was, I knew that we were going to take a vacation, all the family. So I said, okay, I'm going to come ready to this vacation. I'm going to prepare a presentation to show my whole family, my mother and my father oh, and my wow. sister. Yeah. And I created really, uh, you know, and it's funny because last year I found the, the document that I, that I made. Mm -hmm. And I saw it and I started to cry because uh, everything I wrote over there, this is what happened in the last uh, 15 years. So I prepared, I said, okay, I have to come to show them and to commit in front of them that I'm going to do it. Uh, so I was very excited and started to prepare. And, uh, and uh, we arrived, I went with my parents over there and uh, we arrived and all the time I was waiting for the right moment to show, to put it up. They didn't know. I was waiting for the right moment. So I said, okay, no, we start with, we go to the pool, then we finish to the pool. Uh, I will tell them, okay, I want to share with you something. 
And then I didn't do it. So I said, okay, I will do it later on afternoon. And for three days, all the time, I'm waiting for the perfect moment and nothing happens. Mm. And then on the way back home, we are uh, in the car. I'm sitting in the car and I'm thinking to myself and I say, oh my God, you're on. If you are getting home without doing it, then uh, that's it. You are lost. It's not going to happen. How can you live with yourself if you're not going to do it? Uh, so I acknowledge it, I understood it, and then in the car I told the mommy and daddy, when we arrive home, before we do anything, I want, you to, I want you to sit down, I have something to share with you that you have to see. And as we arrived home, I showed it to them, and then I called uh, two of my sisters and two of my brothers-in-law, I told them, hi, I have to come to you, I'm coming right now. And then I went to my sister and brother-in-law, did a presentation to them, then I moved to them, and I, and I had to do it, and once I did it, uh, I think this was really, from that moment on, I knew that I have to do everything I can because I will not have the ability to look at their face if I will not do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you ask me, I think uh, committing uh, to, uh, to that and uh, putting my integrity in front of the people that I really care about and really and it's important for me how they see it, I think that was one of the first steps for me to move forward. Yeah, that, that's truly valuable because that you kind of make a commitment with the people that you feel committed to. And then that commitment is like your push to like <laughs> stay yeah. there on the road and prove that what you said is, is truly. How old were you when that when you did I that? I was uh, 27. Oh, you were so young. <laughs> yeah, I don't also always understand where I had this uh, insight. So. Yeah. But uh, again, it was really to be willing to trust my instincts, uh, to trust that if I'm going to do something that I believe is good and that has real value to other people, some things, everything will connect and the universe will support me this way or another and just uh, to be willing to start the journey. Wow. And, and what, you know, when you had fears or normally when you come with such a vision, people are around, I'm sure you had naysayers, people saying, wow, you're crazy. How did you deal with that? Uh, first of all, I had a, a flat together with me. So it was the two of us, the both of us. Uh, so we were supporting each other a lot. And I think this is, first of all, what created points of view. It's the DNA and the really common value that both of us have. And it's very helpful when you have someone together with you. Really, it's a big deal. But still, uh, most of the people around me, including my family and my friends, again, almost everybody, including the Fats family, uh, didn't really understand what we are doing. And they thought that we are wasting our time and wasting our money. Some of them were very judgmental, uh, including the Fats mother uh, that told her, uh, you are crazy. What's happening? You have kids at home. You are, what's wrong with you? Uh, and uh, and again, to do it without having a safety net of uh, of funding, so it was really challenging. But I think what really helped me to overcome it it's one really the partnership with the frat and the support of each other. Two, it's uh, it's the the inner work that uh, both of us or that each one of us did with himself. I, I remind you that I was a coach before. Mm-hmm. I mean, the personal development world, uh, even before I was a coach, this is the, my content. This is what I like. 
I always like to go to any uh, therapy, any consulting, any coaching, any workshop that I can get something from it. I'm signing up automatically, also a flat. So diving into this process, I also understood that in order to succeed in it, I have to be with integrity also with my inner development. So all the time I did a meditation, writing in my, in my journal, going to therapy. I was all the time taking care of myself, a flat be the same. And I think that was also one of the things that really helped me all the time to be able to deal with the unknown and the uncertainty. And, uh, and still there were moments that uh, things didn't work as we planned, as I planned. And uh, it was very challenging because there was, again, it was to do something that it's not really clear what we were doing, what we were doing. It wasn't always clear to us. It was really day by day to understand, okay, let's do that. Suddenly it comes. So uh, many times uh, you feel lost. And many times when you feel lost, when I felt lost, the voices around that were uh, skeptic and that were uh, suddenly came inside. But again, with the support of Efrat and my support to her, and with the inner work that uh, both of us did in the end, uh, after a day, after a few days, you pick up yourself, uh, you stand up, you move forward. Beautiful, beautiful. And I think that's an important point also, because when people are in the coaching world or the spiritual world, they forget that they may need help, you know, and, and support and keeping your whatever practices you have. I have like friends that are like, oh, I should be able to handle this on my own. And sometimes you need support, you know, even having a coach, having a spiritual leader, having your exactly. spiritual practice, your whatever practice that you do, so important to, and then you can fall down, but then it's easier to get up if you have that support. So I think it's critical. And you know, the, the absurd is that uh, when we are at this point where it's so stressful, then you tell to myself, I don't have the, the, the time, I don't have the capacity to go and to get therapy or to get time for myself. So we are getting into a loop that is getting worse and worse. And I think this is one of the most important things to understand that my well-being in the process, this is what will determine if it will be a good result or a bad result. And as long as I am connected to my feelings, to my dreams, to my fears, to, my, to everything, this is where everything starts and this is where everything ends. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's all, it, it didn't start back then. Uh, we are talking about something that happened uh, uh, 14 years ago, but uh, this process, it's happened during the whole 15 years and I'm still in it exactly because there is always challenges. There is always new dreams and aspiration. There is always, uh, you know, uh, things that are completely different than what you had in mind and uh, the need to find the balance and the connection. It's a, I think it's a lifetime journey, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And now that you've grown to be such a big company, how does it feel like when you look back? First of all, it feels, I feel gratitude, uh, big gratitude, really. I feel uh, a few days ago, uh, I did a session online uh, and uh, I did it this session, I did it outdoor. I taught everybody in the Zoom to go also to a park uh, or to go outside the home. And I did a process about uh, something that called in Hebrew tashlich. It's about a, a cleansing ceremony of throwing away uh, the things that are holding us back, that are uh, a heavy load on us. 
anyway, so the whole process I did in the park, and then in the end, I'm, I asked the participant to take the time and to, before they are throwing away a, a symbolic object that they picked up, to connect to themselves, to God, to existence, to, the, to their loved one, to people that they love that are here living, or maybe in different worlds, and to pray and to ask them to help them to release. And I did the same. I uh, was in front of the, this big uh, lake, and I started to talk with my father that died uh, 10 years ago. And I found myself just telling him, uh, him or God or whatever, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, because uh, I, I was on mute, nobody listened, but I knew that I have about 200 plus minus people doing the same thing around the world. So I just felt big gratitude for the ability to do what I do and to have so many people around the world, uh, uh, you know, getting added value from it. So if you ask me if I look back more than anything else, I feel uh, gratitude for living my dream and for following my heart and my intuition. And uh, again, it doesn't mean that it's all the time. Uh, there are also challenges, many challenges and negative emotions, but when I really take the time to pause and to look back, it's uh, to feel uh, privilege and gratitude. And also to learn to see, I, I'm not, I don't think that I'm uh, exactly where I want to be in my vision. And uh, to use it also as a fine tuning, to see, to use it like as an anchor, to know if I'm on the right direction, if I need to change a little bit to this side, to that side. So. And when you grow so big, sometimes it happens that, you know, what you were doing at the beginning has nothing to do with what you're doing now. And sometimes people get into more managing positions and they end up yeah. not liking where they are. How yeah. has that been for you? It's been uh, very challenging uh, because uh, the role, I started as an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur of personal development. And my calling was really to come and uh, to do something that will give added value to change the world. And suddenly, like you said, also me and Efrat, but talking to myself, I found myself managing uh, the business and all the operations. And suddenly, I'm not connected to the content. I'm connected more to the manufacture and the shipping and this and that. And so for many, many years, I all the time also had my excuses and justifications why I have to do it and why it needs to continue. And uh, I did it for a long time and uh, I had to put my needs and my feelings aside. And uh, in that sense, I think the Corona, uh, the COVID-19 was a great gift for me because uh, it really stopped the train because the most of our business before the COVID was based on physical games and physical face-to-face -face workshops. And uh, so I think in that sense, COVID really made me stop and change everything. So right now, actually, we are in the process of shifting the business to, to do some fine tunings that will take it to the places that are more aligned with what we had in mind when we just started, that will be more aligned with the roles that I want to take and Efrat wants to take. Uh, I have uh, new team members, I have a COO, someone that uh, is now in the position of really learning uh, and operating the business and going to take the, the role of CEO. So I will be able to put my uh, skills and intention in different places. But I think that was one of my biggest uh, struggles and uh, noises that I had along the way. It's this conflict between, uh, you know, living my dream and doing the things that I like the most 
And most of the time during the last 15th, I felt those moments only. Uh, every once in a while, I went uh, abroad to do workshop. Uh, we have our uh, flagship workshop, five days uh, called Turning Point Program. Uh, so every once in a while, when I had the privilege to leave everything and to say, okay, everyone here in the HQ, uh, I'm, I'm leaving for two weeks. So when I left there and I had the, the privilege to be with the participants, uh, either as a facilitator or as a, initiating our facilitators, this is where my heart opened. Then I got again remembering, wow, what we are doing. And then I come back for another two, three weeks in Israel. I'm all, you know, uh, with my eyes like that. But uh, most of the time it was a conflict, inside conflict between uh, really wanting to focus on the on the values, on the facilitation, on the creation, uh, but mainly wasting my time on uh, things that not necessarily I'm good at. Uh, but uh, now I'm in a different place. But it was a big uh, it's a big part of the story for me. And how for someone that is growing, how would you help them not to fall into? you know, the work that you don't want to do. And there's always parts that we don't enjoy so much. But yeah. to go into a, like, a, you know, CEO position when you really want to be more, you know, creator and... Yeah. First of all, sometimes I, I think uh, it's a part of the journey. You know, in Hebrew, we have a nice saying that uh, the, the path is uh, wiser than the person who is walking in it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so... Uh, you know, sometimes this is the path. This is not what needs to happen. This is how it needs to happen. And again, trust the process. Uh, even if in a certain moment things are not completely perfect, and even if a certain moment things are not completely aligned, but you know that you are on the right direction, sometimes you, I have to go through all those challenges. It's a part of my personal journey until I get to the point when things are understood and then they shift. So, this is my starting point, that uh, I trust the process. Two, I think as an entrepreneur, especially when you want to build a global company, you have to do everything in the beginning. It's a part of the process. Uh, I think it's not realistic to think that somebody, I had this thought, by the way, in the beginning, I said, yeah, I will pay somebody, they will do. They will write all the, all the content of the coaching game. Wow, I, I remember the day I came to a flat in the beginning. I tell a flat, it's a startup, we pay people, and they will do everything for us. Bullshit. Doesn't work this way. <laughs> Nothing works this way. So I think uh, as an entrepreneur, when you are building a business, especially if you are planning to to have a, a, a business involving many people, it's very important that you will start from from below and take all the managing roles, including the CEO. So there is a value for it. And my tip for today, I just had a conversation with a very good friend of mine that is in a similar process. At one point, uh, you have to take, again, a leap of faith. And uh, once you initiated the business and you started to create the first layer of, of the management of the system, then uh, you have to really, by choice, to detach yourself. I didn't do it back then uh, because, again, I, I had different justification why not to do it. Everybody had the justifications. Sometimes it's because you don't have money to pay for somebody to do it, or there is nobody who can do it, and many different stories. But I think at one point, uh, you need to take a leap of faith uh, to connect with somebody that you trust, that have the skills, 
and, uh, and let them uh, take the responsibility and support them. But uh, it changes from business to business. It changes from uh, the, 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 the maturity of the business. But I think at one point, unless your vision for yourself and your uh, passion is to be a CEO and uh, to be a manager, then of course do it. But uh, it's not my passion. And many times it's not the passion of most of the entrepreneurs. They have a dream, they have an idea. I never thought I have to deal with everything I did today. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. And, and probably good thing you didn't know you have to deal with all of it's that. very good because <laughs> if I knew it, yeah. if I knew what's waiting for me along the way, there is a big chance that I will postpone it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's better not to know, especially not the challenges and so forth. So, yeah. Yeah. So COVID was for you like a big pause that helped you to, big to pause. think and yeah. It was a big pause to think and uh, to think first of all for myself. After uh, 14 years of running forward, full power, 24 hour, no toilet, no shower, <laughs> uh, just moving forward, don't care about anything really. Not uh, one time I didn't doubt if this is the right thing to do, if this is what I want to do. One thing, I, I didn't have one doubt, just making it happen. That's what I cared about. And uh, after 14, 15 years, it was suddenly really to let go. I took a vacation uh, from the company. Frat took the manager, the management part for a few months. So I, I had, again, the privilege, thanks to Frat and the team, to tell everybody, let me go. Uh, I have to, to disappear. So first of all, it was really with myself to ask myself, uh, am I really still connected to this vision? Am I still uh, willing to do it? Is this something that really yet in my bones and in my heart that I'm willing to, to still keep on fighting? And if yes, in what condition? Because I knew that I'm not going to do it the same way that it was before. It's not something I'm not going to do it anymore this way. Not as a CEO, not... A, I knew that I have to do many changes in the business model. I, I knew that I have to develop lots of things that I, for years I knew, but I waited with them. So I said, okay, first of all, do I want to do it or not? If, is this is my path that I want to continue or not? And if yes, then uh, how do I want it to look like? So I took the few months just to connect to myself, did a lot of, uh, again, personal development processes, uh, went to retreats, went to ceremonies, went to uh, anything you can have in mind as a part of my personal inspiration and uh, contemplation. And after a few months, uh, I understood what I have to do. And I came back. And uh, from the moment I came back, uh, I'm now actually changing the whole business. It will take a few more months, probably towards the middle of 2022 until this new vision and this new uh, structure will come to life. But in the last six months and still working very hard, I'm shifting the whole business and I'm shifting my role and, uh, and taking points of view really to the place where it needs to be. And that is more aligned with my heart and the flat's heart and, and, and really with the, with the essence of points of view. Well, two things that, that I want to point out one is the the bravery of you of having this huge train going forward and being able to just step out of the train and say okay where am I going and is this really what I want because I think that's really brave because uh, a lot of people once they get on a train and they start going fast they don't know how to get off the train 
And uh, and even, you know, COVID can be the, the catalyzer, but still you had to make the choice of stopping and, and forgetting. Yeah. And then the other thing and also, is- just to, to elaborate on that, it's not only to stop it. I, I was really in a play. I had to be there. I had to be there in a place when I say I give up all. I'm yeah. willing to lose it. Yeah. Willing to lose it. Maybe I will sell the business. Maybe I'll, maybe I will just say a quiet uh, partner, but it was really willing to say, okay, I'm willing to, to give it up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really profound. And then also when you come back, when you come back with a new idea, what happens if the people that are in the business already don't align or feel threatened or feel scared with that new change? Did, did that happen to you? Of course. First of all, it happened. It's still happening. Uh, the good thing that, uh, again, uh, this thing helped Efrat and me to synchronize. So as long as Efrat and me are synchronized, then uh, I think this is the core of where everything starts. I think some of the things that happened along the years that made uh, it more challenging because that we were synchronized. I'm more in the business side and Efrat more on the development side. And sometimes... It's uh, two different directions. One is more business results, money. One is really... So I think uh, in that sense, COVID also did good for us because uh, when I came back, uh, the decisions that I make and that we made really uh, uh, connected us together. And from that moment on, that once we connected, everything became much more easy mm -hmm. forward. But uh, it's not easy at all uh, to change really I'm, I'm feeling uh, like I'm uh, shifting the ship and every day I'm moving only one millimeter <laughs> and, I, and I'm a person that uh, I'm, when I'm doing something I do like that I'm uh, kilometers in a moment and yeah. suddenly I have to, it's completely not my comfort zone and who I am I have to do it step by step and uh, my dream sometimes is to say I wish I could you know, like close points of view and started from new. That was my uh, fantasy, you know, but it's, it's it cannot happen because the business exists. We have customers, we have clients, we have great things also. Yeah. So uh, to shift it, it's a big challenge inside the HQ. It took the time until everybody understood. Uh, in the beginning, again, I found myself in a very similar position like uh, 15 years ago, you know? So, Right now, I'm taking the lead completely, so I have the vision, but it's not always uh, easy for me to communicate the vision. So I find myself again, like 15 years ago, when I'm trying to explain, and nobody understands, beside the fact. But nobody understands, and uh, it's uh, frustrating. It's uh, bringing also skeptical and, and confronting with myself. And I'm also different than I was before. Back then I was a single, no kids, nothing. I didn't care about anything. Suddenly I have a family. I have three small boys. I have a wife. Uh, my, my thought is different. And there is a lot of resistance. Uh, not, in intent, not in a bad way, but obviously because of the change, lots of resistance and, and time to process the change in the HQ and then with our certified facilitators and with our business partners. Uh, and uh, the only thing I can tell you that helped in this process is to understand that it's a part of the process, to trust the process again mm -hmm. and to take a deep breath and to every time to remind myself that uh, it's going to take as much as it's going to take every day, step by step. And, uh, and, I, and now after a few months, very intensive, I feel that things are starting to you know, uh, connect. It will take us a few more. 
but I feel uh, with my persistence and my vision, things are uh, starting to connect, but it's a challenge for sure. It's a big challenge. And with people like you that are so driven and, and that are passionate about what you do, how do you balance your, you know, fun, joy, family and work and all these uh, things that you want to put in, in your in your business? Um, first of all, really, you know, I have a situation in my personal life that uh, so strong that really forced me to be there because I have three small boys. The oldest one is six years old and the smallest one is two and a half. Uh, so my house is, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> different. So, and, and also my wife that supports me so much. So uh, uh, I'm very lucky in that sense. When I come home, I'm able to really leave everything aside. And then uh, when everybody goes to sleep, I'm a, usually I'm a night person. So everybody goes to sleep in the night. I sit with myself in the, in the garden and I think... Uh, but I'm able really to put everything aside and to be with my kids and family like I'm a small kid also. Uh, again, not always. I have the tense as well. Uh, so this is one thing that really helps me. It's, the, it's my wife and my small kids that really needs me and force me to, to, to be there. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I think uh, it's bringing here uh, uh, this uh, COO, my right hand at the moment, in the last few months, that uh, is a great partner, Lior, that really supports me in the process. And I have a feeling that somebody is here with me also holding all the operation and it gives me a peace of mind. And even if right now, again, things are far than what I have in mind and how I think they should be, but I can see that we are on the right track and we are in the right process. And uh, again, sometimes the tense comes and I feel that I'm uh, and then in the evening in the garden, I take a deep breath. I remind myself to trust the process. I do meditation, I do this. It's, it's an everyday uh, process. Every few days, I acknowledge that I'm, I'm great. And another few days, I acknowledge that I'm far away. I have to come back. And it's, it's a lot of inner work. Again, I think it starts and it ends. Uh, with the conversations with myself and every time to find a way to calm myself down and to go out from the forest and to look in above. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I succeed, sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I don't. But again, I know that, uh, again, I trust the process. Do you have like a daily practice, morning practice or night? I mean, now you say that at night you talk to yourself out in the garden. What is your... I have a, I have a daily, I have a daily practice that, uh, you know, again, uh, I'm, uh, it's a living practice. So uh, I don't always follow it. And when I follow it, I feel very connected. When, when I don't follow it, I use it as a mirror to myself that how much I connected. So it's a relationship that I have with these two things I'm going to tell you now, but for sure, these are things that really helps me to to connect. One, it's uh, to do a pose. Uh, This is also a part of the points of view method, uh, the first stage of the points of view method. Pose, it means to close my eyes for 10, 15, 20 minutes, just to close my eyes, to sit comfortable and to be with whatever comes, any thought that I have, any feeling, uh, just to, to look at it. And to really ask myself, how, how do I feel? How am I doing? Uh, I think this pose, it's critical because first of all, uh, when I close my eyes, it's a door to something that again, it's uh, bigger and that is uh, 
uh, you know, to the beyond. And it's not always takes me there, but it's the door to something that is bigger. But if you ask me more than that, for me, the commitment uh, of sitting down when everything is so crazy and I don't have the time, but to be able to force myself to take the time and to sit down, I think this as an action, it has so much meaning and so much added value. And just by doing it, I feel that I declare to myself and to the world that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm fighting for myself. So uh, posing, I think it's something that really helps me uh, to connect and to balance. And uh, the second thing is to write in my journal. I have a journal uh, to write down, freestyle my thoughts, to share with me or to talk with myself, uh, especially about the things that bothering me, you know, like uh, my fears. Uh, it's a way for me to, to listen to the voices that I have that I don't always listen to. And then after I listen to them, to relate to them and to tell them everything again, I'm with you. Everything is okay, don't worry. Uh, you know, it's my way to communicate. Beautiful, that's beautiful, yeah. And also something I noticed that, uh, I, know that I know it for a long time, but I, I know that it really helps for me as a person, is to, to take a walk, to be on a movement. I'm a person that is, once I move, even in the room, even in the garden, sometimes in the night in the garden, I suddenly stand up and, you know, with myself, I, walk, I, I need this movement. This movement makes me go out of my stuckness. It's beautiful. We're, we, you're so connected because I was going to ask you, uh, I'm a dance instructor. And so I also bring movement and, and you know, to, to everything that we do or we try to. And I was going to ask you if you do that, if you bring movement, because, uh, you know, pictures bring you out of the mind, movement brings you out of the mind and the way to help the body is with the body, not with the mind. Yeah. So it, it's, it's good that you share that, that you bring movement. I bring movement and also in our uh, workshops and method and training, it's, it's, it's a part of what we do. First of all, we use a lot photos, of course, phototherapy, we use uh, visual, we use uh, uh, music as a great tool to arouse emotions and to take people to different places. And we use embodiment, a lot of body work and breathing. It's an amazing tool. Our body, it's one of the best tools for us to really, uh, you know, release stuckness, connect to energy. So I'm completely connected to that. Nice, nice. Glad to hear that. And I, I read that you said you, that you, you believe that when the heart is open, anything is possible. But what does it mean for you to open the heart? Okay, so I will start first of all with the uh, uh, understanding that uh, to open the heart for me or in point of view approach, it's the, first of all to see that uh, the same channel that uh, the, in order for the heart to be open, there is a channel of emotions that needs to be open. And uh, in order for that to be open, it means that I'm willing, I need to be willing to connect to any kind of emotion. I cannot say, okay, I want my heart to be open. It means that I need to be happy and joy and gratitude. And then my heart is open. And then when I feel something that I don't really like and I feel neglected or feel anxious, then I, I'm trying to find no. First of all, the understanding that if I want my heart to be open, I need to be willing to experience all range of emotions. And whatever emotion I have, it's okay. 
and it's good. And if I will know how to work with it, then it's a chance for me to, to open my heart. So it starts by it, by really willing uh, to everything to come. And again, this is something that uh, represents points of view in many things. In our workshop, in our training, when we allow everything to happen in the room, and for us, everything that happens in the room, it's an opportunity uh, to do work. Also, here in the HQ environment, uh, you can say anything you want, and you can do whatever you want. And if you have also places that are, 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 are difficult, and bring it on. Don't keep it to yourself. Bring it on. Let's do work with it. And um, so when it happens, and also I can talk about myself, when I'm willing to talk about or open up even difficult issues, then uh, and I feel that somebody listened to me and somebody sees me and I'm listening to myself. This is again when my heart opens and my chest expand. And when it happens, I feel connected. I feel uh, belong. I feel, uh, you know, uh, there is something bigger than me that is uh, helping me and supporting me. And when it happens again, everything is possible. You know, everything I have in mind, any relationship, I see that I can heal it. I can find a way to make it happen. Uh, every challenge, every financial issue, when my heart is open, I know that I will find the resources. And, and, and again, I think it's all the time moving away from it and then coming again. Uh, but this feeling of heart, open heart, it's uh, critical uh, because uh, for me and for us, here, this is what helps us really to express ourselves, to be authentic, not to be afraid of what people will think and what will happen. It's really to, to be with an open heart in a way for me, it's to be in a hundred percent trust in life. And how not to be afraid because some people are like, oof, I don't want to feel those feelings. You know, I don't want to deal with that or it's just too heavy or too hard. How to help them because you all what you said is so true about what you're going to feel, where you're going to open, the possibilities are going to come and the connections that you're going to create. How to help them not to be afraid of feeling those emotions that can be very powerful. Uh, I think it starts by willing to be afraid. I think, uh, <laughs> I, th I think this is the key because the automatic response when we're feeling those feelings, it's to run away from them and to find solutions and to do something and to just uh, run away from it. And I think again, uh, the first step is to let them just come and look at them and uh, breathe and uh, don't do anything. Just let them come full power and sometimes when you are willing to let them come full power and to look the fear in the eyes and not to shut it down and not to avoid it, but just look at it and to breathe. Whenever it comes too much, you just remind yourself to... And this is the only thing that you do. I think then fear is uh, transforming into power. And uh, then it becomes something that is a uh, part of you. It's not you, it's only a part of you. And, uh, and again, to find a way to make friends with our fears. Uh, and I think the message that uh, fear is not good and uh, we have to run away from it and we have to fight it and we have to win it, I think it's a part of the problem because we don't have to fight it. We don't have to win it. In the end, I think the fear, again, it has good purpose. It's here to, to keep me safe, to keep you safe. It's coming from good intention. So I think it's the, for me, the tip is to find a way to make friends with our fear. 
Yeah. And uh, to give it a hand, to hug it, to tell him everything is okay, I understand you. <laughs> I hear you. I know that you want me to be okay. I understand it. I promise you, I will take it into consideration. What you are saying, it's so important for me. And uh, trust me, come with me. Everything is going to be okay. Let's go. And to take him with me. I love this dialogue that you make, you know, like for everything, for being friend from where you walk, how you talk to yourself. I love it because it, it really brings, it really is like you're talking to a very loved friend, you know, someone that you really love and it's your, maybe your dark side, maybe your problems, maybe your fear, but you still send love to that and that, and it feels powerful how you say it. And you know, when you said it now, what I saw, I saw my inner child, I saw me as a small child. So I feel sometimes like an adult or a father talks to a small child that is afraid that he's uh, lost and he doesn't know. And uh, like I do with my kids sometimes, again, it not always works. But sometimes when they are in this place where everything is so, and just to find a way to reach to them and to softly embrace them and to hug them, it's healing. So uh, I think uh, for me, it's important. Again, I don't always able to do it, but to find a way to do it with myself as well, you know, talk with myself in a, in a soft and caring way. Well, I think if you do it like you, if you practice it very often, then it's easier to to do it when you're having a hard time. Right. These things are not things that you want to practice when you're having a tough time. Then exactly. it's when you see the result of your daily practice. And, and it's the same in dancing. Like I tell people in the, in the dance floor is not where you practice. You practice outside. Yes, you do. Yes. You get some practice there, but especially for the guys, you want to practice outside. And then the dance floor is where you use it. Mm. And the same when you have a challenge is when you use all the things that you've been practicing. So if you talk like that often, then it may not work one day, but you can surely feel all that that you've been doing for so long. So, yeah. I, I agree with you so much. And I think, again, this is the key of to succeed in this process because I can talk about myself. Sometimes when everything is okay, then uh, I don't need to make this conversation strong because everything is okay. So I, forget, I can forget about myself and, and, and uh, get uh, far away from this voice. And sometimes when everything is challenged, then you say everything anyway, it's so hard. I'm in the loop. So I think it's really, like you said, it's a practice. No matter if things are great now or things are challenging, I have to find a way to do it when it's great and when it's challenging all the time to walk about my inner uh, dialogue with myself. And uh, because this inner dialogue, this is uh, manifested, uh, this is what creates our reality. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that's really important. And after having so many workshops, seeing so many people, what are patterns that you see with people that are not moving forward in their own dreams? Uh, wow, it's a big uh, question. <laughs> I don't know if I have like a... a, a a pattern that I can say that this is uh, what really preventing them. Uh, but if you ask me again intuitively and connect to what we talk, I think it's the lack of this inner conversation that is a quality that is empowering and, uh, and that they are lacking the space to echo it and to resonate it with others. And this is what I see in, the, in our workshop because 
we create for participants the space to, to really be who they are. They don't have to do anything, by the way. They don't have to share. They don't have, really, they can do anything they want. And just by giving them the possibility to be free, to be whoever they are, and to help them to communicate with themselves in a way that is less judgmental and that is okay for them to be who they are and to just bring it out, I think this is the magical part. This is the healing process because once they do it, suddenly they can listen to their dreams, to their uh, to the subtle voices that really try to talk to them. They can talk to that. And when they have a supporting space where they can share it and they can uh, get the resonance all around, this is uh, transforming because then suddenly a small voice talk to them in the head, say, you know what? Maybe I can do it. Wow, maybe it's possible. And when this small boy started, that's it. Uh, it will stay for life. Again, sometimes it will be more amplified, sometimes this, but when you can hear it once, saying that, you know what? Maybe everything is okay. Maybe everything led me to this point. Maybe I can do it. But once it started and you have the supporting community around you, I think uh, your journey towards living your dream started. I think I really connect to what you're saying because I believe that almost every trauma can be fixed with an empathetic witness, someone that is yes. just creating the space for you yes. and that you feel seen and heard. And that can be applied to anything you, that you want to create. Yeah. And I completely connect to that. Sometimes the acknowledgement or just to be seen, it's uh, transforming. Yeah. And to be honest, most of the time, uh, and again, uh, to feel that I'm okay as I am, I'm good enough as I am, yeah. but to, not to say it or to, but really to feel it. If you feel it only for a few seconds that uh, I'm as I am, I'm good enough and everything is okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. For me, and again, then the heart is open. And then from there, and uh, the implications of that, uh, it's endless. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. If I'm okay. And I'm good enough with everything that I went through with all my life, including this relationship and everything, I'm good enough, then uh, it's it's mind-blowing. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. And the fact that you have to feel it. And sometimes yeah. you just have to say it and say it until you feel it. Um, but sometimes it's finding the right words. Like I had the experience, that I feel like everything that we do is a story and you just have to find the right story and yeah. how to word it. And maybe it's just changing a word but repeating, like, if you have the willingness to find that story, to find that thing that sounds good to you, that you feel it, then then you then, then you can move forward and create endless possibilities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And and what is um now that you have this success, what does success mean to you? Um, I think, first of all, it's something that is uh, evolving and uh, updating and uh, changing. I think uh, there is a success on the value level, on the essence level, and there is a physical success. In the value level, which I think this is the source in the end also to physical success, it's really uh, to be connected with myself, because when I'm connected with myself and I'm succeeded, to find the balance and to be with my open heart, it reflects and projects on the relationship with my wife and with my kids and my temper at home and with my partner, Efrat, and with my team here in the office and with everything that I do. So first of all, really, 
successful means to be able to keep what we talked during the whole process, the whole session, it's really to keep on walking my own path and do the best I can uh, to, you know, to be balanced, to be okay, to be good, to, uh, this is one and two. It's really to follow my dreams and my passion and to believe and uh, to do things uh, not with calculating what I'm going to lose and what will happen. Uh, success for me is to really see the vision, the dream, and to be willing to follow it, no matter what. When I do it, I'm living my dream and I'm success, succeeding the maximum. Uh, success is to be able to really give added value to other people, to see that what I do, what I chose to do really contribute to others and that they grow from it and they really it helps them to move and to, to heal. Um, so this is a big success for me. And, uh, and again, many more things that are more in the essence and the value level and, and physically success also in the end, it needs to be translated into uh, reaching my goals, my business goals, my personal goals, to be able to, uh, to afford anything I want for myself, for my kids, for my family, uh, for my loved ones, and to be able also to contribute to other people uh, money-wise. Uh, so to have the ability to do it uh, and uh, reaching our business goals. So for me, success, it's a combination of, uh, of really coming from the right place and going to the place that makes me feel uh, happy and content. And at the same time, it has to be backed with results. Uh, and once one aspect of those two parts is lacking, uh, there is a dissonance. And I cannot tell you that I'm 100% uh, here and 100% there. I, again, I think the dialogue, and again, if I connect to what I told you before, I think as long as I have the dialogue, I mean the journey. Exactly. And it uh, doesn't matter if right now I'm full power in the, the feeling success value or full power uh, feeling, uh, but uh, if this doesn't matter, if I'm feeling that I'm on the journey, I'm doing my best and uh, moving forward, this is success for mm -hmm. me. Nice, nice, nice. And I like because you point the journey, which is the main thing, not the destination, but the whole journey. And that is dynamic and it's growing with you. As you grow, exactly. it grows, yeah. And one day it's like that. Life is life, you know, one day, no matter what I will do, I will get a bump in my head, no matter yeah. what I will do. <laughs> yeah. This is life. Yeah. Uh, but as long as I remember that this is only a bump and tomorrow is another day and I'm again, I'm going to learn from it. Nothing really matters, not in a bad way, in a good way. Yeah. Not also, also the good things. I take them in uh, like, uh, you know, everything, this is bullshit, this is bullshit. Celebrate. Yeah. But again, it's not that I always, uh, in this uh, state of mind, I wish. Uh, but this is success for me, to be able to really be in this state of mind. Yeah. Well, you strive for that and you experience along the way and you keep learning. And so yeah. you have the growth mindset, you have the, the, the enjoyment of the journey. And I think that's so important to hear um, with all the things that you've been through and, and what you're inspiring to so many. So that's really important. And I think, I think this, the enjoyment of the journey, celebrate the journey, it's uh, maybe one of the most important things for me. And it's one of the most important lessons for me. 
because again, because I'm so much invested in the operation and the managing, it's very easy for me to move away from this. You know, and again, this is why it's a big lesson for me as well. Well, you have three kids that bring you to the present. You know, normally kids bring wow. you to the very present. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then right now I have one kid at home that have Corona. Again, it's not sick, but you have So the three kids, they have to be isolated at home. And so it's crazy, you know, it's... Uh... But my wife and me, we said that we are going to finish these 10 days of isolation when we are... We decided that we are going to finish it empowered as a as family and personally and not not uh, drained away, you know. So uh, we said we have two hours a day, one at one o'clock in the noon and one at nine o'clock in the night where we can uh, uh, blame and, and feel sorry and feel victim. <laughs> we have only one hour in the noon. Besides that, the office is closed. Don't talk about it. <laughs> nice. And so far, we are doing okay. So you have the complaining office just open two hours a day. One o'clock in the noon, nine o'clock in the night. If I come to a, a different time to tell my friend, the office is closed. <laughs> I love to that. Come at nine o'clock, huh? now it's closed. I, I tell the same. You have to sell that technique to the world. That's a really good one. Like there's I, this time for complaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, we, ha we were talking this with some friends and, and some friends, they were saying, where I go down, I have three days. You know, if it's really, I have three days. After three days, that's it. You know, that's now it's time to move on. So yeah. I can do anything yeah. on three days. But after yes. that, poof, move forward. Nice. Yeah, I'm really, really grateful. Um, I really enjoy your cards. And, and, I'm, and it's a tool that I take with me all the time. So I want to thank you for your time, Yaron. And, and um, I hope we, we get to see all the things, the new things that you're going to bring into point of view. Thank you, Christina. It was a pleasure, first of all, to meet you and to see you and uh, the questions that you asked me. And also to see your eyes, uh, even though that we are far away, you are in Barcelona, I'm in Israel. Uh, I can really feel uh, your presence and uh, your warmth. So thank you for this uh, short session. Thank you. <laughs> Hope to see you face to face. I do too.